0: What is the true meaning of the Harv Ecker quote, money will only make you more of what you already are? How can we as global citizens work to raise our collective consciousness to solve the problems caused by huge disparities in wealth that are pervasive throughout the planet? What is the book Travel to Transform all about? What did a TEDx speaker slash DJ slash photographer slash author from Hong Kong learn on his journeys to 35 countries, including Romania, India, Finland, and finally Australia, about how traveling is the ultimate fast track to personal growth. And quick question for you, humble listener. Have you eaten rice yet? Stay tuned as we touch on these and many other topics on this week's episode of Untether Your Life. Welcome to Untether Your Life, a show that empowers you to own your own health and break free of templates for managing physical and mental wellness, and looks at key issues impacting the South Asian diaspora. I am your host, Nikhil Torsikar, and I'm passionate about the power of conversation to catalyze change. A false dichotomy exists in the shelves of bookstores between self-help books and travel memoirs. There are very few authors who can write about the merits of heavy metal testing and biohacking, as well as the frustrations of an aborted trip to Santa Claus Village in Finland. This week's guest, Freeman Fung, is that author. His book, Travel to Transform, is truly transformative and is a must-read for anyone looking to 10x their personal growth journey. Freeman Fung is an international speaker, best-selling author, and certified life coach who has advocated new global citizenship at TEDx, Valley, and World Tourism forums. Originally from Hong Kong, he left home solo at age 19 to begin a journey to travel and experience life in over 35 countries, and still counting. A true believer in the power of the mind with a heart inspired by cultural diversity and inclusion, he is on a mission to awaken more world citizens and make our world a better place to personal transformation. And with that, let's get untethered. So, uh, okay. so Freeman, again, great to have you on the show. Is there anything else you want to add beyond what I had just shared? Yeah, no, thanks for uh,
1: reminding me sometimes, you know, my experience of this live as well. And it's incredible because you and I, we kind of met through um, this platform on Valley, right? The world's mm-hmm. biggest self-growth platform. We speak about how beautiful the community has been connecting us because possibly I wouldn't otherwise know your platform about giving this space to South Asians to share their story and to empower each other. I absolutely love it. You know, that's right on my gem. You
0: know, obviously we will get into Mind Valley in a little bit because it's been such an integral part of my journey, my growth story. Uh, but before we go there, I did want to ask you a question. Is uh LASIK Joe Fanmei? Wow. LASIK <laughs> Joe Fan Mei. LASIK Joe Fan Mei.
1: That's impressive. Yeah. yeah For the you. audience, uh, that means uh have, yeah, have you eaten rice yet?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you can tell me a little bit more about what that means, because I think, you know, it was one of the many nuggets in your book that I picked up on. But yeah, tell me about that phrase and for the people who are wondering what I just said, what it literally means and, and actually, you know, the significance. Love to hear more about it. So it's
1: literally mean, have you eaten rice yet? So I'm originally from Hong Kong and I speak Cantonese and this has been a really big part in our cultures. It's almost like a greetings in English saying, how are you? Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, in the Western world, you know, we we all say, how are you today? And you know, we have different ways to connect with each other when we are trying to open a conversation. For us in a Cantonese context, we love to ask people, have you eaten today? Or, you know, have you eaten rice for the contest? For thousands of years uh, of history in, in a Chinese context, actually, whether you can whether you have eaten rice yet, it's a foundational question of how you're feeling that day or how you're feeling mm-hmm. that week, because whether you have enough food is about survival. And as you may know, you know also in, in Asia, there's a big agricultural context as well. So if you think about it that way, it actually makes perfect sense that you are asking about another person's well-being and their right. state of being in a cultural way and the importance of that is there are also so many different other ways you know in different culture like in india right so that's the reason i wrote about my book because that was the chapter about me traveling to india for the mm-hmm. first time and you know what i learned there is the greeting face namaste and it's such a beautiful word because it literally means i bow to you but it's not just the physical bow it means i am acknowledged at the soul level the divine in you the divinity in you and And whether you are religious or not, it doesn't matter because it is a way to see the culture and that's a beautiful aspect of the people acknowledging a different dimension of the other person. So kudos to you. And I was just saying, As well, when you are attempting to say a phrase coming out from your heart, and even though I'm sure you don't ask your children or your family whether you have eaten rice as often as I do with my family, but you having this attempt to wanting to try to say this phrase to another person, this has been something I've learned throughout my decades of travel. It's the fact that when you hear somebody try to speak in a different language that they don't otherwise speak, you are connecting with the other person by yep. subconsciously letting them know, I want to connect with you. And that's no better feeling other than that, because you are seen, you are being seen. Mm-hmm. And this person is trying to go through something that even though they don't have that ability, that language ability, they are wanting to connect with you. So that is a beautiful way of expressing human connections. And I love how you're bringing this <laughs> to the yeah. table
0: here. here let's, we we got to start off on the right foot because there's that saying, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And so I think you made a great point that when you come to the table and you're really trying to, you're, you're showing compassion, you're showing empathy and you're showing a desire to really connect, not just take a transactional approach. Like, okay, you know, I've got an hour, I've got this guy in Australia, I'm going to record the podcast and I got to get dinner ready. You know, no, I'm like, this is a connection we're making, not just between us, but this is something that it's about leaving a legacy. It's about. What nuggets, what takeaways can a listener come away from this conversation with? But Mm -hmm. the other thing, and and I think that it it makes for a better conversation, but the other thing, and I'm sure you're aware of this, is the concept of neuroplasticity. Because when you're learning a different language, when you're learning how to play the piano, they've done studies where they look at like cortical thickness and they've done studies on cognitive function and people's brain function improves. So that's, I've always been a big proponent I haven't traveled to as many countries as you. My passport is not as thick and, and colorful as yours, perhaps, but I definitely think that when I go to a different country or meet someone from a different culture, definitely try to, as they say, meet them where they are. But uh, but yeah, I know we took a little tangent there, but I did want to bring it back to uh, the book. Tell me a little bit more about it, Freeman, because I love the title, Travel to Transform And I do think for anyone who's listening, I would say just drop what you're doing and go out and buy it because there are books that are self-help. There are books that are autobiographical, but there's really few, I think, that manage to strike that balance between the two where it's just this laundry list of, you know, and then I went to the Eiffel Tower and then I went to this and blah, blah, blah. Or it's like, you know, just throwing up on the reader about different self-help mantras. I think the thing I love about the book, Freeman, is just that you're sharing a part of your soul, so to speak, but then you're also kind of giving the reader, I would say it's almost like a cookbook, you know, about how they can transform their life through travel. But yeah, I'd turn it over to you and just tell us more about the book. First of all, you are absolutely right. There are thousands
1: of travel guide books out there, right? And then they are preparing us for overseas trips, right? So they prepare us to be amazing tourists. But none of those talk about the day-to-day mindset, the day-to-day global mindset, I should say. So they are not preparing us to be a world citizen. And at the same time, there are also thousands of self-help books out there, but very few focus on traveling. But we mm-hmm. live in a modern world today. People don't realize, actually, traveling is the ultimate fast track to personal growth in the world today. And also the fact that there are also thousands of textbooks out there on globalization, on Mm -hmm. cultural studies. But the truth is people are not lacking of academic training. They need awakenings. Travel to Transform is a transformation from within through traveling. I grew up in Hong Kong for the first 19 years of my life. And I came from a background where I have this, one of the most competitive Society, one of the most difficult public exams in the world, one of the most suffocated skyscraper cities where things are always going on the go, twenty four seven, non stop, fast pay, financial driven city. So I grew right. up in a place like that, and you know I've been trained really well by my families and my friends and my schools to be academic outstanding. Sure, but I was never happy, and my my life only started to have this new sense of finding that purpose when I first traveled solo. So Mm -hmm. when I was uh, 19 years old, I I started university at that time. um, And I got the opportunity to go through a platform called ISAC, which is a international exchange platform where young people, they get to uh, travel to different countries and do Mm -hmm. volunteer work. And I got to went to Romania, (laughs) which sounds very random, but it turns out to become one of my best summer, even though it was the first time going out solo by myself, thousands of miles from home. And I didn't even know where Romania was, to be honest. I was just, thought, oh, I'm going to Europe. That's amazing. Like, yeah, you know, that yeah. must be cool. Wait, that's Central Europe? Speak the that's same Western language, one language right? They all, speak-
0: <laughs> <laughs> they all speak European over there, right? <laughs>
1: exactly, European is the language. It must be it, right? They've asked each other about, uh, have you eaten rice
0: today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> have you eaten croissants today, right?
1: And that was how naive I was uh, back in the day. But that trip that summer actually moved me into a a different paradigm because I was living with uh, 40 other volunteers from 16 different countries. And I started to realize one thing. You know, everyone is so different. Everyone is so unique. And maybe just maybe I'm not here to be the same as other people. Maybe I'm not here to climb the same ladder, to study the same degree, to be successful, quote unquote, in life, which is to get the house, to get the car, to get all these things, right? Maybe I'm designed in a different way where I can achieve a different purpose for myself as well. So that was the first time I embraced the power of diversity through living with this group of people. And Mm -hmm. again, like, speaking here like most people would thought oh yeah that's how you become the traveler you are today you know then you start traveling another 10 years life must be amazing but no it's not true because you see when we are traveling solo around the world it always looks dazzling to my friends and it feels like it's not immediately compatible with their current mundane life But the truth is cultivating an international life is a process it's not an overnight occurrence. Me, myself, I had to step in shit. I faced racial prejudice as well. I fuck up right. from time to time. I just learned how to stand back up and continue my global journey and became yeah. a better version of myself holistically at a world-centric level. So what happened after Romania is the fact that I recognize I can travel. So I started studying abroad, I went on backpacking, and then I went back to the UK to study my master's as well, and then I got the opportunity to start an international career, working with a multinational company in marketing, and then I started to get relocating. I live in Singapore, I moved back to London, I uh, went on a road which allows me to travel 40 months straight and living Mm -hmm. in a hotel, and I love it, and I was young, and I want to see the world, I was eager to do that, but you see, I was still in this, as you say, template, right? As you say mm-hmm. in the show, right. I was still living in this conditioning. I was still living in this paradigm where I have to chase my success. I have to chase my next promotion. I have to climb that ladder. And only until I reach a certain point, I am successful. And guess what? I spent all those years chasing my next promotion, moving to my next country, hoping the next place is going to give me that fulfilling feeling. And right. it never happened. And even though it looks dazzling on social media, to my friends, my peers back home, to feel like I'm living a life that they could only dream of, I was never happy deep down. And then December 2019, I moved from Singapore to Sydney, where I'm living now. And it was a time where Australian bushfire happened, and that was a big hit to me and my career because i was launching a product that's relevant to the view but everything was just orange you can't even breathe properly when i was out on the streets and that was my first impression of Sydney that I gave up everything I had in Singapore, the luxury, the panels I was living in, my global family in Singapore, and then I gave it up to come to Sydney yeah. to see this place and for this for this. And then COVID lockdown happened. Yeah, quite the timing there, Freeman. <laughs> right? Perfect timing. It's crazy. Yeah. And that just put me into a dark mental space corner when I was living in a tiny studio by myself. My health broke down, my spirit broke down, my mind fractured. I was identified by uh, by medical doctors, say I have CFS as well, chronic fatigue syndrome. I had brain Mm -hmm. fog, I couldn't think properly. I couldn't drag myself out of bed. And I was so afraid I would lose my job because I just got my visa here, I just relocated Mm -hmm. here. And I was in that painful state of not knowing what to do, I couldn't travel. And I'm a DJ on the side as well, I couldn't play any gigs. So I broke down mind, body and spirit in every way. And that was the time where I really took a different level of responsibility. Travel to transform, mm-hmm. the transformation from within, and what I call to travel inwards. Because you see, there's this beautiful outside world where we can travel and venture into and we can explore the beautiful world out there, the mountains, the lake, the landmarks, tourist landmarks, and try different right. world scenes. But at the same time, you see, there's this beautiful inner world as well where we can travel to the depths of our mind, body, and spirit. And when (laughs) these two worlds collide, the overlapping part is what I call travel to transform because that is the ultimate fast track for our personal growth and to achieve self-mastery. And that has become the core message. For what I'm sharing, because today, as you would know me, as you have speak about my list of accolades as well, today I'm a joyful, free, happy human being, and I'm empowering more to be the same. I'm empowering more global citizens to step into this space, to live a holistic, world-centric life. Because we can all live an authentic life where we step into our true identity, where we are meant to live in this world not that template we're given by our society, not that template we're given by our family, the true purpose that why we are here and how we can enjoy this life to be experiencing all the world could offer to us in a conscious way. And that has yeah. been my core message from my book, Trouble to Transform. And like you said, I also share it in a, through a personal stories as well, because I don't believe you can write a self-help book or a how-to guide You can't write something to have a step-by-step and hand it out to someone else and believe somebody following these steps can expect their life to turn out in the same way. No, I truly believe our paths are so unique. I truly believe we all have our journey. We all have different skin color. We all have different eye color. We all have different passions, different hobbies, different occupation, different skill sets. And how we are crafting that path, that journey for our own self is the art and science behind Trouble to Transform.
0: You hit it on the head there, Freeman, because there is no one-size-fits-all approach to fulfillment, to making it up beyond the self-actualization to, as you talk about, you know, self-transcendence, going up the Maslow's hierarchy. What success looks like in one culture is completely different for another one. You talk about in the book about Hiroshi in Japan and and a lot of Asian cultures where. There is such an emphasis on success, where a lot of times people get to the top of the mountain and they look around, and their health is shot. They're working on their third divorce, whatever, whatever side effects come with that "quote unquote" making it. Sometimes it's like they then they look back and wonder, you know, was it worth it? And I think it's so important, uh, Freeman, that we are hearing from folks like yourself. I think the cultural aspect is so important because so many people in our demographic have, quote unquote, made it to the top of the food chain, but there's not a lot of talk about how they got there, you know, and the triumphs and the travails, you know, all the scars, so to speak, that that went into that transformation journey. My big applause and gratitude to you for being so raw and being so vulnerable in this book. So one other thing, uh, Freeman, I did want to touch on. You, you know, obviously I think, how how many countries are you up to now? Is it uh, 35, 36? uh, Yeah,
1: 35 uh, is still counting for decades now. Yeah,
0: Because one of the countries that you talk about in there is India, obviously. So I don't, as I mentioned before, I don't have as many stamps in my passport as you might, but I have been to India and I obviously have a different lens on it, but I'm always fascinated to hear about non-natives who have gone uh, to India. If you could share a little bit about your, your journey to India and what your takeaway from that was. So that was a trip, I believe is back in
1: 2016. So it was the first time I went to India. And the one of the biggest reasons, so my trip has kind of two parts. My first part is to visit my friends there in Chennai. So mm-hmm. my friend Darshan and a couple of other amazing people. So it was a sure. great time uh, to have that trip to meet my friends. And, you know, when we're in, in Chennai, like, obviously there are a lot of cultural shocks, right? For me, like, you know, dancing in Tamil style and, you know, eating, eating a lot of chili food and literally no traffic lights, you know, and uh, <laughs> traffic. I mean, yeah. the traffic, everyone just riding one way. And then I
0: was- Very like, chaotic, is the word I would sense. To describe it, it. Yeah, for sure. It,
1: it, it is so interesting. It's the first time I saw that and I was riding on a bike behind my friend and I thought I'm going to die like every other second <laughs> when we had a turn, but, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> so there are yeah. a lot of amazing, <laughs> uh, you know, cultural shocks and, you know, seeing the backwater and Kilara in the South and, you know, all this, beautiful nature as well. So that was kind of like the first part of the trip, you know, really embracing myself into uh, that colorful and diverse culture in India. You know, they have so many different religions and language in one country. And that's something I couldn't even easily comprehend before. Like you say, it's all about cultural diversity. I see unity in diversity as well. And, you know, we can talk about this more later, but back to the story. So my second part of that journey is to go to Mumbai as well. Because I Mm -hmm. really, really wanted to see the slum. And I I really want to see it through my own eyes because, you know, you you probably watch a movie like Millionaire*, and you're going to see a lot of documentaries. And I think the thing is sometimes when we are watching it through the screen, you know, there is always a filter behind, right? That's editing behind. The best way to experience the world is still to go travel and see for yourself. Because what people write about or what people perceive it's not the same of your own perception with your own consciousness. When I was in Mumbai, I, I remember I took a taxi because uh, I think we were quite tired like me and my two other Hong Kong friends and we were just wanted to go to the, the hotel to check in and we went on the taxi and then it goes all the way to downtown it's and it's so fascinating because I remember on the on the taxi right I see this beautiful the bay at Mumbai and you see the skyscrapers along the bay and a few minutes later we drive into some kind of like whole area was just gray with you know rocks on the road and you know like you know spumpy and then the other and the other minute, then we are in downtown. And I remember asking this taxi driver, I was like, wow, this building looks so cool. How come mm-hmm. there's only one building out of all this building looks like that? So it's like the taxi driver called, oh, it's called the Antilia building. It's a mansion. It's not an office. Antilia, what's that? So he was very famous, richest guy, richest guy in Mumbai, the billionaire. And I was like, wow. That's incredible. So he owned this whole building? And he's like, yes, yes, sir. Um, Everyone knows, I think like 27 floors with a helicopter paddy uh, on the top, swimming pool, thousands of people work for him. I was like, wow. That's incredible. So a rich guy lived there. So he wasn't joking because when I Google, when I did my research, that antenna building is actually estimated to, to worth like $2 billion or something. So, so then like, you know, we, we checked in the hotel and then, you know, like that hits me a lot. And then, you know, we went in the slum as well. I know we took the train and, you know, and I remember I was just looking through uh, outside the train station because there was a platform where you can see um, this area And it's hard to put it into words because it's just gray, right? It's like there's also the iron uh, rooftop as well, and it just rocks. And, and, you know, my heart kind of not pumping, but, you know, I feel a little bit that energy is like depressing. Again, this is only my perception, and I would encourage you to see for yourself. But for me, as I get off the station, and then, you know, me and my friends, we start walking in, I remember it was just full of dust, broken bricks and sand. And the only colors I saw was the the clothes. Hanging Mm -hmm. outside the two story houses, and nothing more than the corrugated iron sheets as a roof, and garbage and plastic
0: and rust will just be. I think Dravi is one of the most impoverished parts of the world. What's amazing is literally like you go not even like two blocks, three blocks, and you're, as you said, like one of the richest. (laughs) <laughs> people in the world the contrast is pretty stark it's pretty uh, yeah. jarring though.
1: exactly and i remember the kids there because we are aliens right to them i guess i didn't want to join a tour too by the way uh, for the listeners because i want to feel it authentically i don't want people to mm. point out things to me i want to see it through myself and my camera I'm a photographer, a travel photographer as well. So I love to capture moments through my own lens. And right. I remember the kids coming to us and say, asking us money, food, and, and yeah. they're just staring at us. Uh, and naturally, my friend, uh, Envier, like, you know, she she is just like a very compassionate lady and she wanted to give them money and food. But then we have to stop her because we recall when we are in Mumbai, and my friend told us, right, he said, don't okay. give them anything, uh, no matter how pity or compassion you feel because there's a whole sum of people and what they call in India, the instant crowd, they're going to flood to you, right? And you won't have enough to give everybody and anything could happen at that point. So we kind of shook our head and, you know, like I I feel really bad inside. I feel a little bit powerless and guilty as well because like, yeah, obviously we look so rich and, you know, I have my camera, we have food, we have money, but, you know, we can't help because, you know, that's not the way. But then we get to go to the platform as well, which is around near the place called Donbigo, which is... Mm-hmm. I believe the place where you can see the whole panorama of the whole slum, and the most, the most ironic thing for me to see there is that I saw the Antenna Building again. It's right at the back in that background, and there are more skyscrapers coming up with construction as well, luxury building Yeah. And in front of me is just this laundry mat and this slum. I feel shocked looking at this because when, when I went to India, I. I really wanted to ask, you know, to, to, to maybe ask for like a spiritual experience, but what I asked for becomes such ugliness as I call mm. because, because poverty and inequality all of a sudden become more than worse to me. They right. stung, they stung, they really stung. They reminded myself I had only witnessed this one slum in India. But what about the children in Africa, right? What about the Mm -hmm. refugees in Syria? And the fact is, right, even that remind myself when I was back in Hong Kong, we have the, the most highest number of tycoons and richest people in Hong Kong, living in the Victoria peak and seeing all the beautiful scenery of the Victoria Harbor of Hong Kong. And, People like us in the rat race would never been able to get to the top. But I told myself, maybe I work hard enough. Maybe I could get good grade A in the exams. Maybe I get a, yeah. a better job and climb the ladder. One day I can get there. But in the slum, it's not even about how hard work you can be. It's just almost like... just about getting the next meal. Get, just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By seeing the ugliness, as, as the famous quote says, right? Travel is the only thing you buy. That makes you richer. I truly believe in this because when you are going out there and reframing your relationship with how you understand the place for me in this trip is money. Mm-hmm. This trip reframe my personal relationship with my finance because what i believe is money will only make you of what you already are
0: that's a that R record well, it right yeah it is it is yeah, yeah it's a half
1: accurate yeah i i believe the yeah. book is uh the secrets of the millionaire mind because what that means is so for the listener what that means is if you allow yourself to have this understanding of money is neutral then what that means is if somebody is a jerk Their money will only amplify their cruelty. But if somebody is generous, that would only amplify their love and their abundance to wanting to share more. And the reason I'm sharing this is because what I have learned from this trip, so later on when I was really having this deep reflection, I realized from a cultural perspective, the monetary system wasn't really created equal because the capitalist system is a system in place long ago where most governments nowadays and also banks they still follow so that they can keep the world running capitalism and many other different systems keeps the economy from not falling apart but at the same time remember when it was first built it was built on inequality of class inequality of race inequality of gender And how far had this system got us to today? And in fact, in in my book, I have listed even more statistics for you as well. And I think as I recall, over time, right, I think I believe in the last 40 years, the richest 1% of the people have controlled more than doubling the wealth of the entire bottom half of our global population. Let that sink in. It is a pure fantasy to believe that. Our monetary system is everyone, and it is a template again that if we work hard, we will get somewhere successful, quote unquote, and then we are going to save the world somehow. No. So think about it in this way on one hand, we have all this advanced technology, technological breakthrough, robotics, 5G, AI today, right? Chat GPT, mm-hmm. renewable energy. But on the other, we are letting all these powerless children die every other, I don't know, five seconds, according to um, the Global Wealth Report. And we are letting them die every five seconds due to poverty. Are human beings really an advanced species or are we just primitive? So that was what I've gotten out the biggest From my trip to India, it was that first-hand experience walking into the slum myself and being able to feel the powerless also in me to see how big that gap is, to see how I can reframe my understanding with finance and the fact that money is not gonna solve poverty, but the solution is already here. The solution is called human consciousness because by raising our collective consciousness together to realize you and I, are just human being and you and I are just citizen of the world. There's no difference. There's no different behind. By having this understanding of human consciousness, then we can start raising our awareness of how we could help all these people because if when we are in survival mode, when we are still caring about our own career, paying our bill, fixing the relationship that have been broken in our personal life, all these mm-hmm. things, right the ping, ding, and ring, the email coming through, the social media notification, when we are still in survival mode and trying to fix ourselves, there's no way we can elevate our consciousness to this world-centric level and to also care about our species.
0: You know, usually... <laughs> People say, how, how was your trip to India? It's like, yeah, we saw the Taj Mahal and uh, had the best food. Yours is definitely a lot more <laughs> layered and nuanced. I think it, it definitely will give the listener a lot of food for thought because I just think, especially here in the West, I mean, I think we just get so in the rat race, not just with our careers, but I, I would argue almost sometimes, uh, Freeman, it's This validation rat race, where it's just about what kind of influence are we having? And I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, I've read the books. You know, there's this amazing book, "The Chaos Effect." There's this book, "Ugly Truth." They're talking about with social media, you know, about how it's this seemingly innocuous thing where you pick up your phone, and I I love the uh, sing-songy ping ding ring. Is that uh, you should trademark that? Where (laughs) it's you know that yeah, it's it's just that. Dopamine hit that we are so dependent on, where it's just like my phone, you know, waking up in the morning. I got, you know, three notifications. Okay, someone liked my post or somebody shared it. And it's such bullshit when you think about halfway across the world or sometimes even across the city in a different part of the city, someone doesn't know where their next meal is gonna come from. And so I I really appreciate the fact that you've shared that in your, uh, do you call it a memoir or do you call it a, what What do you call it exactly? The <laughs> <book>. <laughs> Let's just, for lack of a better word, but really to share, as they say, the, you know, warts and all, where it's just not about this glowing depiction of how you at this eat, pray, love moment, and you became this enlightened guru, you'd really did see this kind of the dark side of humanity, you know, just kind of brought to the, to the forefront. And I think that you can read about this and you can watch YouTube videos, but I think if you've really been up close into one of these slums and, and really seen, and and quite frankly, I mean, I've been there too, and you've smelled it and you've really like experienced all five senses of that blot on humanity, I would call it what then it really feels like then honestly i think the how many likes you got on that last uh, instagram post really doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. amount to anything i really hope that more people after reading your book and after listening to this podcast i think will be inspired to really home in on some of the less than instagram worthy <laughs> shots of, uh, of, of what this world uh, really looks like.
1: Yeah, I, now, I love what you said, because, um, yeah. and, and also to answer your question, yeah, I, I call my book a half-travel memoir and half-self-help book. And mm-hmm. I also share, like, you know, to, to the listener, if you haven't read my book, you are not reading the stories about me. You are just reading my stories to reflect about yourself. So let's say in the chapter about India, so every chapter I share my story and I share the lesson, and I would challenge my readers as well to journal and reflect on the concept we just share about. Mm-hmm. So let's say, what does money really mean to you? Are you relying on any materialistic goals at, this, at the moment to keep yourself happy? If you are being honest with yourself, what are the artificial desires you are already Chasing without even realizing. So I challenge my reader to reflect upon their life, and I think this is one of the most powerful way to create transformation. Because mm-hmm. like you said, when we hand a how to guide to the next person and follow this step, and you can be enlightened. Most of the yeah. time, it doesn't happen that way. We finish reading the book, we go back to our nine to five, and then same thing happens, same trigger happened I'm just the same person. Right. but Transformation has to come from within, which is also the basis of what I'm doing with my transformational life coaching work mm-hmm. with Mind Valley and also with Evercoach as well and how we can serve others is by improving ourselves and transforming ourselves from within to become a better person from within and in order to change we can't enforce ourselves by something from the external we can only recreate our identity and create change from within and in order to make that change from within we have to go deep we have to face the belief that we have been using for our whole life to challenge our own belief to challenge our own understanding about the world our own understanding about others culture so yeah so that is how i see quite a unique approach to accelerate the transformation
0: i did want to circle back because Hearing about your story about India really gave me some pause because we're both of Asian descent and we have so much, uh, what I would call, I said, like wisdom at our fingertips or wisdom in our DNA. There's so many wisdom cultures, um, you know, like from China, like Qigong and then India, like, you know, Ayurveda and Pranayam and yoga. And I feel like this podcast, this platform is really giving me a vehicle or giving me a platform where I can really get back to the root and sort of tap into source uh, of a lot of this wisdom. So one of the things you share in your book, it sounds like with your attempts to deal with uh, CFS, with chronic fatigue syndrome, it sounds like that it is the saying. Is it a chi- Chinese proverb that you know, in every crisis there is an opportunity? Is that Chinese yeah. harbor? Yeah. It sounds like that. that definitely played out for you with this CFS issue. <sighs> is that it exposed you to a lot of East Asian modalities uh, for healing. Um, so I'd love if you could talk about that, whether it's Qigong or, or other modalities from your own culture that maybe you hadn't uh, explored before.
1: I, I love what you just share, and you're right. So in Chinese, right, so crisis and opportunities, mm-hmm. they are the same words. So we write in the same way, pronounce in the same way. It's just the same word. So with that in mind, right, so my health transformation, obviously, again, you know, when I talk about travel to transform right when i say transformation holistic transformation in a holistic way that means we are transforming ourselves through all aspects and different category of life may that be financially Mm -hmm. intellectually emotionally philosophically culturally and all this dimension of life and health is definitely one of the big pillar in this transforming my cfs when i was saying i was traveling around the world for 10 years i never took care of my body and in fact I was a marketing manager by day. I, I work in the corporate environment by day, and then I was a DJ by night.
0: I have all the energy. I jump you know, and you jump in a phone booth like uh, Clark Kent, and, and <laughs> you're uh, your there. You on my
1: headset, and yeah, become the Superman, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get back on my decks and spinning the <laughs> yeah. spinning my decks and. Exactly, like I, I had all those energy back then and I thought yeah. I was done, right? I thought I could do this. And I have so many private rooftop and my penthouse when I was in Singapore with my best friend, I was throwing a party mm-hmm. every single night. It was just incredible. Like I was, I thought I was enjoying life so much. But at that time, since I never talked about taking care of my body, when I moved to Sydney, as I said, bushfire and then COVID, that was the time I finally broke down because not just my mental health going into the dark corner, my lifestyle completely changed, and actually, in fact, when I was in Singapore, I start having symptoms already. Mm-hmm. I would be walking down the streets and forget where I am again. And I went to the grocery store. What's the one thing I said I'm here to buy? I can't remember. And I start having more serious brain fog. And then I got like I got sick. I got a fever like every biweekly. It's so frequent. Mm-hmm. It's not even normal. But for me at that time, I never thought. I need to take care about my health because it's the doctor's responsibility. Right. Like mm-hmm. in the modern day context, South Asian culture, right? We are also relying on the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. and medical expert, quote unquote. So I was just thinking, okay, I couldn't sleep. I would just take sleeping pills. I don't have enough energy. I will ask the doctor, what can give me to boost my adrenal or whatever it is? That didn't
0: work <laughs> throughout the whole time. Yeah. So- like it almost sounds like a, like a transactional approach to health, right? Where it's like, credits and debits where it's like, okay, I'm down now, let me take this and it'll just get me to that level. There's not this holistic end to end, let's achieve some stability. Very
1: transactional and you are so spot on brother. It is in a way where we thought only when something bad happens to our health, then we do something. So this whole approach changed gratefully around one year in when I was in Sydney. So I moved to Sydney Olympic Park, which is where I'm living in now, uh, another amazing mm-hmm. penthouse over this area. But I got the green space as well. I got the river by the water. And I'm very grateful I got the opportunity. It's almost like universe or God or your higher self or whatever belief system you allow, guide me meet you here? Because then I, I actually went to see a Chinese practitioner in the Olympic Park Clinic here. And his name is Mickey, Mickey Hong. I, I I found on Google, oh, great, that's a Chinese practitioner. Because by that yeah. time, I know Western medicine couldn't help me. So I started... Right going to acupuncture which doing a lot more work on my meridian which is more like the energy centers throughout the body Mm -hmm. it helps recharge me like even though i I see myself very western and i believe in science and stuff but you know i feel better that way so the more i get into the chinese medicine the more i get to reframe my understanding to reframe my awareness about health because instead of waiting for my breakdown Instead of waiting, my health go bad, go wrong. Why not do the prevention? And in fact, why not optimize our body, our mental well-being and fitness all to a level where you can't even get bitten by any virus or germs or bacteria because your body is so resilient. So Mm -hmm. having that new approach, I start to reframe a little bit my understanding and my own responsibility. And thanks Mm -hmm. to, I was just saying, I met Mickey as well whom now I call Sifu Home, which means my master's and teacher, because he was doing acupuncture with me, but then he also be so honest with me. He say, Freeman, Mm. I can put all these needles on you and make you feel better a few days. But if you don't change your lifestyle, if you are still eating pasta three times a day and drink bubble tea twice a day, (laughs) if you are still drinking so much alcohol, this is not going to help you. And that really woke me up. That really woke me up. And he also asked me another question is, oh, by the way, we also do a Shaolin Kung Fu training on Saturday morning here as well. Would you like to join? And oh, I was wow. like, uh, okay, yeah. And yeah. that <laughs> is the start of me getting into this beautiful ancient wisdom of Shaolin mm-hmm. philosophy and Shaolin martial arts. So I'm still training with him. So it turns out Sifu Hong, he is a Chinese practitioner. He knows all about, you know, he, he's medically trained. But at the same time, he actually was trained with a Singapore master and here's a few nuggets I would love to share with the listeners as well. So Shaolin martial art training is not really about combat. It's not really about fighting. Although you can see the warrior monk, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they they, they can, you know, when you see on TV, the spear can't pierce through their screen, right? And they can break rock with their bare hands. And they are yeah. not actually, they are not just stunts. They are years of dedicated training of their self-mastery with their body. And mm-hmm. that's why you look like they are defying physics to us right but it's actually self-mastery and when i'm training with him i start to learn how to become more in tune with my body as well because the martial art the body form right so the one i learned is called it means the fist from the south and the the kicking from the north something like that you know it, it doesn't okay. mean much but yeah. it's an embodiment of the animals when you are moving your body So it incorporates the movement of the monkeys, the flexibility, and it also embodies the powerness of the tiger, the fists, the the fierceness, the courage in it. And there are also other forms of animals, and mantis, and you know, different ways to incorporate the body movement of other animals into us. And the Mm -hmm. more I practice, the more I realize, wow, all this ancient wisdom, is not about fighting. It's actually a spiritual practice. It's a deep personal practice. How I'm going to understand my body more, how I can understand better the food that I'm putting into my body. How I can, even though I have like a corporate job sitting many, many hours a day in front of a laptop, which I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners can resonate, but how I can incorporate movement every half an hour, maybe to install a standing desk, to do more Mm -hmm. stretching day to day. All these little things incorporating into the, the life is how we can embody that ancient wisdom into our modern day context right now. This is what I always share with my audience, is that we are living in a modernized world where planes are on the skies, where we can just order Uber Eats to deliver to our door. Yep. Well, instant
0: gratification. Instant well, yeah.
1: But also, like you said, this is also this deep well of wisdom coming from thousands of years of Asian civilization. May that be the Shaolin wisdom. May that be the yogic tradition. May that be mm-hmm. Zen, the Tao, or whatever modality comes from all this beautiful ancient wisdom actually have so many overlapping about what they teach and in the health transformation context what we can all do as a modern global citizens is to learn to how to be in tune with our body as well so not just waiting for that wake up call in our health not that waiting for the breakdown to come to us but how we can now to take the step to make a difference and when i say Mm -hmm. take the step it doesn't mean It doesn't necessarily have to be anything big at all for me when i was learning martial art what happens also is instead of eating pasta three times a day and drinking bubble tea twice a week i Mm -hmm. start cooking meals I start preparing meals for myself. The next thing I know, I start doing something different. Next thing I know, I start eating organic. The next thing I know, I start to have, I, I become gluten-free and dairy-free on yeah. my diet, right? It's like a ripple effect. Do, yeah. It's a ripple effect. And now today mm-hmm. I become a biohacker as well. As you would know a lot in the Valley community, we train mm-hmm. our sleep, we have red light therapy machine, we do cold therapy, right? right? We have right. a long list of things where, you know, I also... Share as well in my book where I do uh, IgG sensitivity uh, testing, so that I know what are the list of food that is good for my body that makes me strong. I also do right. GI mapping as well, so that I know what is exactly the microbiome species and the quantity and the gut flora in my digestive system as well. Right, I do individual DNA testing so that I know you know myself better. And it sounds very overwhelming in 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 this minute, but. It's a step by step process to transform our own understanding of our own health and well being into a state from a state of surviving to a state of thriving.
0: Well, you know what? What I would recommend, Freeman, is you should have like a companion of just, just the quotes, honestly, from your book, because there's so many amazing nuggets. The one that I really liked, and I want to make a connection here the one that I really liked was the one from Bruce Lipton, where you're talking about how the human body it's a misconception to look in the mirror and just see one body. You're actually looking at a community of uh, 50 trillion cells, I think is the quote, right? And that got me thinking about this other quote, which is, when I is replaced by we in illness, that becomes wellness. Where I'm going with this, uh, Freeman, is that this whole thing about health it is not a solitary journey. It is not something, you know, obviously we talk about monks who go on these journeys of self-reflection and introspection, and they have the highest frequencies of thought, as we know, through meditation and measuring their EEGs, and they have amazing health. But I would say that really optimal health is, a, it takes a village. It's a community experience. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your take on community. And starting with your shirt, what we haven't even talked about that. What is what is your shirt? Maybe that'll segue into our discussion about community.
1: The t-shirt itself, right? I we say, super coach here. Um, and obviously, the most beautiful part is the wings here, because it's not about identity, but it's about what brought us together. And the reason I was this morning, I was thinking, oh, I'm going on the, the Untethered Life uh, podcast. And what should I wear? And it just come intuitively to me. It's almost like this t-shirt just dropped out from... Cupboard itself.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yes, I think
1: this worked really well because you and I, we really connect through this platform, My Valley, which is also the place where it has transformed both you and I so much. And I mm-hmm. love what you just said about the health journey. It's not a solitary journey yet, at all. In fact, the reason I'm able to be the biohacker, the martial art practice, this thriving global citizen I am today is because I have a community supporting me. I have this conscious global community where they inspire me, they empower me, they gave me all these new insights about health, about why I'm doing this to reminding me why I'm on this path. The constant inspiration from all these amazing people is why I can keep on going. On this path because to be honest if you are telling me to change my diet you are telling me not to eat this you are telling me i have to work myself out how many hours per week stress myself and feeling uncomfortable by myself mm-hmm. it's not an easy journey at all and i'm sure you could resonate because when we have the support of this community, when we recognize we are not alone, which is also so beautifully interwined with my message about travel to transform because we are living in one global village. We are living in only one giant globe. And in fact, when we are on the moon, right? When we are on the moon and we take a photo back on the Earth, when the astronauts do that, there's only one giant global planet floating in space. One right. beautiful planet called Earth. But it's us, it's our ego, it's our own society and government trying to divide us. And that's why we have that feeling of separation. But we are not separated at all. And when we find our tribe, when we find our community, no matter you are here to transform your health, No matter you're here to transform your cultural understanding, your financial uh, circumstances, your career, your relationship with your loved one, no matter what aspect of life you are on a journey of this personal growth, you are entitled to a community yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's where this t-shirt and the wing (laughs) and my belly comes in really.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was curious, uh, Freeman, you know, you're spot on about that. I mean, just the transformative effects. I don't even think we talked about it, but how how did you come across the platform?
1: So going back to when uh, 2019, when I moved to Sydney, right? And then I went into this dark corner of my mm-hmm. mental health, right? I couldn't drag myself out of bed and I was chronic fatigue. I had brain fog. And I was just asking myself the question, how can I even live my, the rest of my life like this? I was just 20-something. I have so many more years ahead of me. I can't, like I was taking pills and I still couldn't sleep. Like it was a torture. And at that time, my value came up and I'm super grateful. This came up to my feet. And then some of my friends told me about it. I knew Jim yeah. Quick, as you know, you know, we talk about neuroplasticity earlier as well. Yep. So Jim Quake, the, the world's best. Brain coach came mm-hmm. came across, and I always love improve myself. Like so, yes, that get me into it. And then my friends told me about six phase meditation by Vishnu Why one of yep. the biggest influence for both you and I as well. a Great teacher, sure. Mind Valley. And there are also more things just lining up. And then I start realize all this learning, all these Mind Valley talks. Let me know I have the power to make change by myself as well. And mm-hmm. that was really the turning point of my health transformation right there and then getting into the community because you are completely right and i love how you're weaving this in the story because when i finished around like 9 10 quests which is like the only cost of my value we call it quest right. and around that point i was asking the question why am i doing this by myself behind the computer <laughs> screen <laughs> right i live in australia right, it's a right. big continent. Where are the other right. people who are into personal growth as well? Who are other people who are into this spiritual development? And as soon as I asked that question, I opened the Mind Valley app. And this is the funny part. I saw the Valley team is asking for a volunteer and ambassador to serve the Australia community. But that's the beautiful point where I opened up my life so beautifully because... I went through the interview with my Valley team, and then I become the ambassador for Australia. And then I was surfing in some of the quests as well with Stephen Cotler. Um,
0: mm. That was three years I ago. I love Stephen Cotler. Yeah, the yeah.
1: flow guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The flow guy, exactly. The flow expert. And and then throughout the year, I started building my tribe in Sydney as well. And throughout the year, I've been working with my Valley team to create a space and rolling out more as well. So when you come to Australia, now we also have our tribe in Brisbane, in Gold Coast, and in Melbourne as well, and also oh. In Cairns mm-hmm. as well in North Queensland, and I'm the coordinator, really working with our local hosts to create this community space locally. Our Australia tribes as well, and as you know, I just uh, came back from Estonia as well. I came back from the Mind yep. Valley University, which is the annual event where we have all the Mind Valley members all around the world flying into Tallinn in Estonia. We have the celebration, we have workshops, we have talks, we have parties, and I got to be also part of this super
0: coach. Wow. I call it, I don't know if so, if you've heard this before, but people ask me, like, what is it exactly? I, I say it's like TEDx meets Burning Man because it's just all this amazing knowledge, all these brilliant minds. And then it's just complete chaos, too. People are just going nuts at these dance parties till, you know, all <laughs> night, two or three in the morning. And then there's like eight year olds running around in the midst of all this stuff. It's just, experiment that just it's taken on like like wildfires a really beautiful thing to see beautifully said
1: and i i I can't resonate more it's like a super cool is like a tactics with burning man and the people there you meet is just incredible because like you said when we have this feeling of isolation when we have the feeling that we are on this journey by ourselves everything is like 10 times more difficult but when we are in the space where we meet all these super coaches or, you know, people who are just into personal growth, people who are just fanatics about becoming a better version of themselves, the energy in the group literally transform your feeling and your consciousness there. And being mm-hmm. in this space, this is the second time I just went back to Tallinn because it was just so worth it. I flew over 30 hours last year from all the way from Sydney down under to Europe, and it's so worth it. Because the connection I got to make, the soul family, as I would say, there's no price you can put on it. We have deep, meaningful conversation. And it doesn't even matter what our skin color is, where we are flying from, what financial background we have, what educational level we are at. Doesn't matter what modality, whether we are coaches or energy healer or athletics or peak performance, what career you have.
0: Doesn't matter at all. Same family we have the same and, and,
1: family we can be raw and authentic with each other
0: so yeah i mean i think the community aspect of mind valley is it can't be overstated and i don't get any commission from mind valley but i <laughs> but i can't overstate the impact it's had on me because this is a prime illustration i would have never crossed paths with you there's people all around the globe we're not just absorbing information we are taking this information and we're transmuting it, transforming it into other pieces of content or other things we can leave behind to our fellow man, to our kids, to the planet. I
1: really love what you said because obviously we both don't have any commission. But I think the reason we are kind of, you know, really uh, an advocate about sharing this is because there are so many beautiful resources through this platform and people you can Mm -hmm. get to connect with. We are sharing the possibility with all the listeners that if you are really interested to make change in your life, if you are really interested to take the next step about personal growth, you got all the people that would be genuinely wanting to support you because we are all on the same journey together. And that's the beautiful bit. And it's so empowering. It's so empowering when we are in tune with one another and we can all learn from one another. And that's the reason I was saying as well, even with my book, you're not really reading the story about me. You're reading the stories to reflect on yourself because we right. as human being have this remarkable ability to be able to absorb ourselves in other's person's story. And we learn the lessons through storytelling. That's why storytelling has been the biggest piece of any cultures for our generation, the indigenous culture. That's how back in the days when they don't have computer, Storytelling is how they share the generations of story from their grand, 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 grand ancestor. At the end, it's not about even the platform or the book that you, you, you get to delve into to make the change. Like you said, it's about the integration itself. I'm a big fan about integration because being a global citizen, being a thriving global citizen means we are integrating what we have learned into our day-to-day modern world. You see, the books we read, the quests we do, you know, all the things that we learn, it only stays in intellectual. It only stays in our mind. But to really take that knowledge, that wisdom, to be able to make an impact and take actions in this 3D reality to make tangible changes. That part is called integration. And I love what you said about this community. We are a community that full of change maker. Mm -hmm. We are a community full of people who take actions, who are shaping the world and making a dance in society in ways we have never imagined before. And when we all do it together, we are changing the world together. There's no one magical bullet that we can transform the world With the blink of an eye, it doesn't exist. But the formula comes from when we transform ourselves, we transform others, and then we transform the world.
0: Yep, 100%. So Freeman, this is one of the most interesting conversations I've had. What I like to ask is, you know, the title of this podcast is Untether Your Life. What I would like to ask you, Freeman, is how would you tell the listener, what can they do uh, to untether their life? It's such
1: a beautiful question. When we are tethered, what I see is we are in survival mode. When we are tethered, when we are chained, we are in a place where we are not living in the full potential. And that's why we don't feel fulfilled. We don't feel happy. So to untether our life is to take that action, is to take that integration of what we learn and transform it into tangible impacts to ourselves and to the world. So for me, untethering our life is to empower ourselves and others to become the best version of ourselves as a citizen of the world.
0: Very well said. Thank you so much, Breman. This was this was such an amazing conversation. If people want to find out more about you and your platform, or maybe work with you, what is the best way for for them to get in touch with you?
1: So the best place to find me is on my website. So www.traveltotransform.com. So I have a lot of free resources as well on my website, and to help you to become a conscious global citizens and travel tips as well on how to holistically support our life and to thrive. Um, and I'm also very active on social media as well. So you can also follow me on Instagram, which is Freeman Phone Official. So F-R-E-E-M-A-N, foam is F-U-N-G, and then official. So I'm pretty active there as well, as I do a lot of talks and you know sharing podcasts and my day-to-day insight as well. A bit more personal approach on that side. So I would love to stay connected with all your listeners as well. So And don't be a stranger we are all global citizens, so interwined and connected with technology. So shoot me a message as well. Shoot me a voice message, voice note. I'm always happy to listen, to know what you think about the message that I share, and especially with this beautiful Live podcast as well. What's the one thing that you learned from the conversation today? Share with us. I would love to hear it.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again, Freeman. This was uh, an amazing discussion, and i think it is the first of many uh, future collaborations to come. So so thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, thank you. appreciate it. Thanks for having me again today.
0: Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed that episode. For more of these types of conversations, please visit us at untetheryourlife.co. You can also find us on Instagram at untetheryourlife, as well as on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms by searching for Untether Your Life. And if you did enjoy this episode, please leave us a review or share it with someone who might also benefit. Thanks, and until the next time we meet, stay untethered.